Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Hey, Real Nerds, there's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Rindler's Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. This week, I'm your host, and I'm joined with... Zach. And... Henry. Well, what's your name? My name's Brad. <laughs> wow, that's a stupid name. Shut up. You're, you're gone. It's just me and Henry now. <laughs> oh, no! Not the way it was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Finally, the ultimate version of the show is complete. <laughs> We've exercised the other three nerds. Uh yeah, what's going on guys? Um not much. Um did some doing a lot of pre-production work this week and um uh, wrote another Shamley and hung out with my nephew. Right on. Can't go wrong there. Henry, haven't heard from you in a while. What's what's going on in your world? Oh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty it's pretty low key at the moment. So, in the city that yeah. never sleeps? Uh well, it sleeps, it just sleeps at like 1 a.m. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I started my thesis here, so I'm working on my thesis film, getting that done, and uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so your thesis, you're, you're making a film, you're not examining one? Uh, no, at my school, you, uh, you, how thesis works in my school, because it's not really an uh, academic school, it's an art school. Uh, if you're a directing major, you direct a film, and then if you're crew, you do crew on films. So it's like if I was cinematography, I'd have to shoot two films. Uh, if I'm for sound, I have to do sound on uh, five films, which is a little much. So I'm directing a film instead. Yeah. So. Very nice. Uh, so, uh, directing that means you can, like, you don't have to write the script. You can do someone else's script. That... Theoretically, you could. I'm writing my own script, but you theoretically could. Okay. But Henry doesn't play that game. He plays the Henry Jarvis game, which is write my yeah. own damn shit. Yeah, writer director. So, yeah, uh, can you tell us anything about your 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 next tale that you're telling? Uh, it's a comedy about Russian interference in the election. Oh wow! Oh, okay. Topical. All right. I thought it was going to be called the Tale of Two Kitties because I just no. kind of wanted that to be called it. Mm. So. No, that, that's copyright, unfortunately. That was the original title, <laughs> but. Uh, we had to change it, so. Right on. Uh, right on. Cool. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. 
Um, uh, if anyone's in the New York area, it'll have a premiere in a big old theater at the end of the year. So which, which theater? The big old theater? The big old theater. It's the iconic big old theater. <laughs> I'm guessing you finished that around May. Uh, beginning. I fin- I should finish it around April, but I'll premiere in uh, May. Cool. Right on. So can't wait to see what that's gonna be. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Awesome. I should probably tell people what we're doing this week. Yeah, this what the week, fuck do we do around here? <laughs> uh, so every week, the real news goes see a new movie and podcasts our, our experience of the world. Uh, this week, we did not do that. Um, we stayed inside, and we each watched a movie uh, because we uh, we decided to do this little challenge thing where um, we all pick five movies from a streaming service or services, uh, throw them into a hat, and then Henry rolls some dice and then reshuffles them to. Uh, different people, and uh, we have to suffer or <laughs> get excited about. Or enjoy, yeah. And this uh, is the original. The first time we did this was for a holiday bonus episode last year. Yeah. Um, but this time around, it's also going to be the regular show, yeah. if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's not going to be like a, uh, hey, let's open an envelope and reveal anything. It's just going to be like, you know, here's what we saw, and we're going to talk about it, and no one else watched that movie, so there's no frame of reference for other people to <laughs> chime in. Uh, yeah. But that's that's streaming roulette. That's what we're doing here. Right on. Uh, because we couldn't decide on a movie to go see in the theater, and I don't, now that James and Ryan aren't here, we probably could have. <laughs> yeah, we could have probably found Peanut Butter Falcon, but this was fun, too. Yeah, did you see it? No, not yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, like our choices for the week were The Goldfinch, which literally no one saw. Because um, <laughs> everybody told them not to. <laughs> it turns out that uh, Hustlers, uh, a girl from I went to high school with, is a character in that movie. Ooh. Hot. So. Like an actress in it? Or? Yeah, an actress. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Does she play one of the strippers? I don't know. I. Her, she's Amy. Uh, Brian, you're getting to figure this out for me. I know. Well, I, I, we have to see the movie now, so. <laughs> Uh, but her character's name is Amy, and I don't know what that character is in the movie, but there you go. Sweet. Right so, on. but it also. I see it Wednesday. I can let you know if Amy is hot. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, she's pretty. I I know her. <laughs> I have. I don't know. I've yeah. I've watched like one trailer for Hustlers. <laughs> yeah, she's not in the trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. They're saying it's one of the frontrunners for best actress now, and so and I wow. heard she, Lopez is getting really good buzz, and yeah, the Oscars don't mean anything. Something about this Amy character too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that also means that uh, by laws like this, rules of statistics, my chances of breaking into the industry have now been diminished because how many people are going to come from Golden High School and make it? <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel better, Amy Adams went to was like grew up in my neighborhood, so. <laughs> I'm already fucked as well, and so oh. <laughs> I don't know. What, I mean, I don't know. Henry, can can you and uh, give up some of your powers, and then I'll give up what I have left, and we'll give him to Brad, and he'll become like more powerful. <laughs> I mean, that's how I can give up my power, and then Brad will be, I don't know, known in Durango now. I guess that's like kind of the extent of my power, and so <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll you'll be known in Centennial. From from mine, but like only a little bit because I never had much power to begin with. I, I, still, like I don't really, to be honest. Sixty years from now, they make a documentary about me about how I was very locally known. Yeah, yeah, as a filmmaker. Uh, speaking of failing careers, uh, <laughs> I forgot to say last week, Solve for X is online. Woo! So, oh, this was, this was a sad transition. <laughs> Forty-eight hour rejects. Uh, no. 
the not best of film of the year. Hey, the best of in our hearts, man. <laughs> Am I right? I know. Right I'm just. I mean, yeah. I'm just. It, that's like the marketing tool now for that. It's I'm marketing as a failure. Uh, so it, well, I mean, all of the rev- all of the ad- new advertisements for uh, JoJo Rabbit have been only promoting the negative reviews, and I think it'd be <laughs> smart if you adopted that policy. Wow. Yeah, I'm ahead of the curve. I know I know what's up. <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, I, I I love it. It's a great film, and you can check it out um, online. Um, just you know, YouTube, Nebus Vision, Solfrex, and you'll probably find it, or Vimeo, or um, uh, we'll, Facebook. We'll, we'll talk about it and what we've been watching. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, a review of mm-hmm. my stuff. Yeah. Uh, sure so, yeah. Um, speaking of what we've been watching, we also talk about movie news, Blu-ray, DVD, 4K releases. Um, we, go, we, ca- we catch some classics with Corinne, and we go around town with me. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. I still don't think it's a good idea to go around town with you. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's terrible. It's an awful idea. Henry, never go around town with Brad, ever. You I hear mean, me? I can't Noted. Go, I can't go near any schools, so. <laughs> no, I'm safe then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Henry's fine. All right. Uh, this week at the drive-in is still It, Chapter 1 and 2, and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Man, you can float on down there, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you should probably drive, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's probably I think a balloon's going to get get you that far. If it flooded enough, like it did last week, maybe you could bring a boat there. <laughs> did it flood last week? It flooded pretty hard on last Sunday. Like it was, there was water did rushing you go? into the. No, 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 no. But like around it. the area, there was like, oh. a lot of rain and flooding. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, they're doing that still. Um, and then the midnight at the Esquire is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I thought that was last Ooh. week. Nah, you're right. It was last week. Uh, this week is uh, the room uh, with Tommy Wiseau in person. Oh God, um, guys! If you want underwear that is possibly inferior, go. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious to know what the quality is at this point. Uh, if you want to know, show up at right. the Esquire at midnight. Um, they are doing multiple screenings, so there's they're screening it upstairs and downstairs, and. Uh, all the way through Friday, Saturday, and I think I saw a Sunday screening, which could have been a website error, but... I don't know. Sunday at the room? That's that's a great way to spend the Lord's Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Sunday's actually just a screening of Room with Brie Larson. It was just a mix-up uh, entirely. <laughs> so. That would be uh, quite a surprise that, watch. Uh, d- depressing, too. Yeah. It's a good movie, but man... Uh, yeah, so that's what's going on around town. Woo! Party! Now let's check in on what classics Corinne watched this week. Hey nerds, Corinne here for part 26 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my review. This week I watched Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers in Top Hat. Um, uh, yeah, um... You know what I can say briefly is that I really liked it unless they were dancing and then it was really boring. I know that sounds weird considering I'm a big musical person, but I think I've discussed before that this is exactly the type of musical that I hate. Um, well, I guess I don't hate it. I just dislike it because they it's either singing or dancing. They don't ever do them simultaneously. They're they're just like standing or sitting, and as they sing, 
And then they go into like this really like five minute long dance number. And yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't, I didn't like White Christmas for that reason. I didn't, I don't really care for singing in the rain for that reason. It's singing in the rain's a little bit better. I think there's only maybe one or two musical numbers that are like that, but yeah. <laughs> Even though my favorite movie of all time is a musical, I, I just, there's something about the way that the musical numbers are shot in this, for the, for the most part. I think there's like one or two exceptions, but I'd say more than half of them, whenever they're singing, it's just, it just doesn't have a lot of energy. And then when they dance, it has like too much energy, but then like the camera isn't really like keeping you engaged. It's like you're, you're watching a stage show in your house and I don't mind watching stage shows, but there's just something about like being in a live theater that you're missing out on when it's just a guy on TV. And I'm sure that was great for people back in 1935, but for me, it's like either it's on the stage or it's on film. You can't just film a stage thing, you know, from like a single camera angle. Like you have to, you know, move the camera around or you have to change the, the, the angles or something to just kind of give it a little bit more energy and, and make it feel more like a performance on film rather than a filmed performance. I mean, you know, whenever they're dancing, obviously, like, you know, props to the to the actors, you know, Fred Astaire does all of his own dancing, and same with Ginger Rogers, like, they, they do all their dancing together, and it's great, but it's like, I'm not engaged in it, because it's just a single shot of them dancing. And that's just kind of boring. I don't know. It just didn't have energy for some reason. And, but yeah, everything other than the musical numbers was great. Um, it kind of took a little while to get going, but once it kind of hit like the end of the first act, I was totally on board. Um, it reminded me a lot of a PG Woodhouse, um, you know, Jeeves and Wooster type of comedy where it's like, you know, mistaken identity and people getting married willy-nilly, and oh, it was just, yeah, it was great, and I definitely laughed out loud several times. Um, I really like, oh, Mrs. Horace Hardwick, like, her character, <laughs> and how, like, little, like, how few shits she gives about her husband, like, Ginger Rogers' character is like, oh, you know, he, he's, like, flirting with me, and he's, like, proposing to me, and she's like, oh, really, is that so? Well, he never, I never really seemed to have it in him. Good for him, you know. It's, it's just very strange, and um, the valet sneaking around is great, and just, yeah. Again, everything about this movie, other than the musical numbers, is fabulous. And I'm not saying like I don't appreciate the work that went into those routines. You know, like they probably choreographed everything themselves and. You know, it's like, I recognize that it's a lot of hard work, and it's really good, but I just am not engaged in it because it's boring, because it's filmed in this very basic way, and say what you will about some other musicals, but they know to, you know, move the camera back and forth, you know, middle shot, long shot, you know, whatever. Anyway, um... 
yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half, four stars. We'll round it up to four if we have to do the full star system. Um, yeah, I liked it about as much as Scott Pilgrim, but for different reasons. But yeah, three and a half or four stars for Top Hat. I had to watch it. My my mom is apparently a really big Fred Astaire fan, even though she's like never talked about it. But she was watching some other Fred Astaire movie a couple weeks ago when I was on the phone with her. It might have been Top Hat. I can't remember. But she was she was like, oh, I love Fred Astaire. And I'm like, what? You never talk about him. And, you know, compared to all these other old Hollywood guys that she loves, like Clark Gable and John Wayne. And I'm like, oh, what? I, I don't think I've ever seen a Fred Astaire movie. And she just, you know, she was all upset and, like, outraged. Like, how, what do you mean you've never seen a Fred Astaire movie? And I'm like, whose fault is that, Mom? It's yours. You never made me sit down and watch one, so. Although I feel like I've seen that gazebo scene before. Like, whenever the two of them arrived in the gazebo, I was like, I know a thing is about to happen. They're going to have this whole dance number. So I must have seen, like, a clip of it. And the one dancing cheek-to-cheek, like, I've definitely heard that before. So, I mean, it's a pretty well-known movie, so I can understand why it's a little bit pervasive in certain circles of pop culture. But, yeah. So, I finally saw Top Hat Mom. Calm down. It was okay. I like other musicals better. But as a comedy, this is a good movie. As a musical, I'm not... I don't really care. Sorry. So yeah, three and a half or four stars. So for next week, um, I'm going to give you guys another option. And I, I specifically chose these two movies because I figured if I put either of them up against anything else, they would win. But putting them up against each other, I'm really interested to see which one comes out on top in the polls. Um, and so I'll let you guys choose. Next time I will watch either Rocky... Yeah, the original Rocky, or Pulp Fiction, because I've never seen either of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm doing this, okay? So the poll should either be up right now or will be up soon, so please go vote on that, and I will talk to you all about whichever one wins next time. Bye. Those are both, in fact, classics. So yeah, I, you, this is a good one. Hey guys, why don't instead of the podcast we were gonna do, can we talk about what we thought was in Marcellus Wallace's chest? I I, I think it was just dirty laundry, but I think it, it was, was a light love. bulb. What, what Henry? It was love all along. It was love. <laughs> it was a light bulb, you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> t- technically, yes. Okay, like, but that's a really bright yeah. golden light bulb. Um, so I've never seen Top Hat. Um, it's, it's a fine movie. It's not my favorite Astaire and Rogers film. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I like, uh, Swing Time a lot more and, but that's like a supreme classic and George Stevens worked on it. Um, but yeah, I mean like the musicals of the era aren't always the best, but they do have fun comedy. So it kind of mixes well and you're really watching them dance. That's the whole operation. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, Top Hat's fine. You know? can't go wrong with fred astaire dancing around i mean well apparently everything but the dancing or everything the dancing's boring but but (laughs) but that's that's the whole point to watch it so she she didn't watch it right i don't know (laughs) 
All right, moving right along. Yeah, it's not the film's fault. It's your fault. No, that that's not true either. I'm just I just like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies, so they're fine. They're really fun. Uh, anyway, yeah, moving along. Uh, let's talk about some. Well, are we news. supposed to decide her next film? Huh? Didn't, aren't we supposed to decide her next film? No, there's a poll online. Yeah, that's how. Oh, you there's decide. a poll online. Okay, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, so you choose between Pulp Fiction or Rocky. I. I I guess Rocky's weirder to me that she hasn't seen than Pulp Fiction, because I don't expect everybody to watch Pulp Fiction. But. They're very different films, and you're going to get a different experience with each one. So, Well, I mean, both involve gangsters in some capacity, so that's an interesting Well, yeah, film. but I'm not going to call Rocky a gangster film, though. <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested to see her reaction to how Rocky seduces Adrian, because it's a little non-consensual. Oh, oh a little? <laughs> Yeah, Rocky's uh, Rocky's got some outdatedness, but it's uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's it. Hey, you know what? It's a good movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Cool. What should we move on to next, Brad? Uh, movie news. It's real news. Um, we don't have a bunch uh, this week. Um, uh. James Cameron says that Avengers Endgame beating his box office gives him hope for his Avatar movies. Um, my, Interesting correlation. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess my my first and only real question is, does he really still think we give a shit about Avatar at this point? It's been about 10 years. Well, here's the thing about that. I don't think... Here, no one gives a shit about Avatar. Like, the people that will obviously... I'm sure there's someone out there who had, who was, like, depressed when it came out because they couldn't live in that world. Uh, and they're excited for it. But also, I don't think he's really banking on, like, ticket sales. I think he's really... he, Like, I'm very much predicting that when the film comes out, it's going to be, like, this big technological thing. And he's only doing that so, like, tickets cost, like, $40 to go to, and that's how he's going to make the money. Which is basically how Avatar made money, too, through 3D sales. No, that's totally fair. I just... I, I don't know. It just... Like, I fully expect Avatar 2 to be a VR film. It's going to be the first one that... Like, and that will be the film that makes VR become, like, the next big phase. And so... Again, to- to- totally totally correct in, in, in an assumption there. And, I, and I, I like I say, I don't know. I'm not the hugest um, Avatar fan, let alone uh, anybody fan, so... Um, when it comes to James Cameron. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm more interested in Titanic, too. Uh, dude, I, I want to see that ship rise from the watery grave. That's that's what everybody wants. So don't you want that, Henry? Of course you do. Um, but, yeah, no, um, moving right along, the Suicide Squad uh, that James Gunn is directing has released its full cast roster, and uh, there's a lot of people. Uh, I'll just read it off. Uh, Pretty dope. As best as I can. David Dasmachian. I don't know who that is. Nathan Fillion. I know who that is. Uh, Sean the, Gunn. The, the first guy is an Ant-Man in The Dark Knight. Oh, okay. And James and Bob reboot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. He's, the, I, uh, he's like the European guy in Ant-Man. Uh, oh, the guy who says this is why we bring dogs? Yeah. Oh, cool. I, I, then I, no, 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 no. Uh, it's the, the guy who has Rachel Dawes' badge and uh, Harvey oh, Dent interrogates. Oh, 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 that guy. Yeah. And he, he doesn't say anything. He just smiles really creepily. Yeah. All right, yeah, cool. Uh, but yeah, Sean Gunn, uh, which I kind of figured because Gunn. Uh, Taika Waititi, um, Daniela Melchior, um Viola Davis, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman. Wasn't Kinnaman in the first one? He was, yeah. Okie dokie. Randall Flagg. Okay. Juan Diego Bado. Arguably the main character. 
Oh, uh, okay. I, I don't remember Suicide Squad Rick that, Flag. that well, so bear with me on that. Alice Braga, Peter Capaldi, Idris Elba, Jai Courtney. Uh, yeah, I remember him from Suicide Squad 1. Uh, Mei Ling Ying. I don't, I, I'm sorry if I'm fucking up that name. Storm Reed, Steve Agee, Julio Ruiz, Margot Robbie, uh, Joaquin Cosio, Flula Berg, uh, Pete Davidson, uh, Tanashi Kajesi, I'm sorry if I'm fucking this up, Jennifer Holland, and Michael Rooker, because uh, of course Michael Rooker would be in it. Um, so yeah, looks like uh, people are returning from the original one, which I was not aware of. I thought they were overhauling the whole thing, so... Apparently, I didn't pay attention. Um, I apologize, America. Uh, I predict that ha- like over half of them are going to die. Yeah, prob- like, I think I think they're predominantly cameos, and they're just you know it's like advertisement. So they'll I think they'll be on because the, they've announced who most most for the most part they've announced who they're all playing, and they're all like Suicide Squad members. I think they're all just going to die. So <laughs> I I hope that they have a secret uh, reveal that Adam Beach is in the movie and doesn't die because I wanted Adam Beach in a lot more of the first Suicide Squad than I got. That's something I do remember being upset about. Because that- favorite meme from that came out of Suicide Squad was all the pictures of because it came out pretty like it came out a little bit earlier before than uh, Justice League and I people were photoshopping Slipknot as a member of the Justice League and all those photos of them walking forward and that was the big reveal that Slipknot was the <laughs> Justice League the Suicide Squad uh, like ambassador for the Justice League. Yeah. No, I mean like I say it's it's something to bother me. It's not because I give a crap about Suicide Squad, it's because I liked Adam Beach as an actor. I still do. So um Anyway, moving on, uh, James J. Abrams uh, closed a $500 million deal to write, produce, and direct for Warner Media. So all your bad robot nonsense is going right over to Warner Media, which sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy the projects he makes. Uh, anybody really care about this? <laughs> no. No? Yeah. Okay. And then the final news of the night, um, uh, we are about to attend a funeral. Uh, Movie Pass is officially dead, and the service is to shut down. As, as of uh, yesterday. Yes, of yesterday. So, R.I.P. You weird, weird, weird fucking company. Um, yeah. Um, does anybody have any eulogy for this company that uh, refused admission to certain movies and possibly stole all your credit card information and exposed it to the internet? Uh, here's the thing: one, that didn't happen. Okay. Uh, two. Um, you can make fun of it all you want. It revolutionized the entire like film industry. Oh, I understand. The only reason why we have like AMC A list and like the screening stuff that like uh, Alamo has and how Regal's gonna have one is because of Movie Pass. I agree. Uh, so it, you can make fun of it all you want, but it, it completely revolutionized how the theater experience works now. I, I totally, I'm totally fine with with what it did, and like I just wish it didn't have the problems it did because it could have kept going on. But um, or at least my assumption is it would have. Um, well, I guess not because the theaters doing their own programs would have kiboshed it anyway, right? Or... I mean, ideally, yeah. I mean, the whole thing, because, like, uh, what the state it had during, like, the year that it had uh, was not, was there, it physically couldn't have continued because it's just not feasible. Um, but, like, you could have theoretically continued it as what it ended up becoming in the previous year, which was uh, three movies a month. Uh, but at the same time, though, I mean,. I don't know. A A list is a A list and Regal and I'm sure I don't I haven't looked into the Alamo version, but uh, they're all better deals. Uh, and so you could, and so it's kind of like it was. It's a martyr that needed to happen, basically. And so right. 
Well, I will always appreciate MoviePass because uh, they 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 put out the Gotti movie, and that was one of the most dumb, entertaining things I saw in a single movie going year because I couldn't believe my eyes. Um, so props to them, and also I believe they put out um, American Animals, that docu drama yeah. thing. They've had a couple. They had a couple films. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, they also did American Animals. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, but anyway. Right. But yeah. Um, Cool. Movie pass RIP. Uh, necessary sacrifice. Uh, well put by Henry. And that's news. Unless anybody else. You, you, you missed a couple stuff. Okay, what did I miss? Um, so, Mila Jokovic's stunt, stunt double is officially suing the producers. Wait, uh, one more time? Mila Jokovic's stunt double, who like lost her arm because of onset injury. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She's officially suing the production company and the producers. For which, uh, so. for which movie? Resident Evil. Oh, when that happened a couple of years ago. Okay, so now, she, oh wow. Okay, well, um, Sony's got some more problems ahead of it. <laughs> yeah, um, and so, uh, but that could very much set a precedent for like, because it's really like, in terms of like on like uh, stunt stuff, there's really no president for like or like a union or anything really like that to, to like help them, and so like uh, it's kind of like the wild west. So it's kind of hoping that this will set some kind of precedent. So. Like, People stop dying on set, um, so that be ho- hopefully that happens. Yeah, no. Um, um, the last time I saw it well publicized in terms of an onset accident was that gal who got run over by that train for the um, Almond Brother thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I cannot remember. Uh, I cannot. I cannot remember the the outcome of that. I'm fairly sure they all went to jail, but. Um, um. But yeah, I mean, there needs to be some. If people can die on set, you know, there needs to be some kind of rule in place. Yeah, it's um, al- it's almost as if safety should be a factor. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, money. Um, money. Haley Atwell will appear in both Mission Impossible Seven and Eight. Yeah, good for her. So I like her. Who so. what? Haley Atwell. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, good for uh, good for Agent Carter. Uh, Tank Girl is being rebooted, and they found a director. Oh, uh, yeah, and I heard Margot Robbie's producing it. She's producing it. I mean, she'll probably play it. Do you, um, do you remember? But, have you seen Tank Girl, Henry? I have. <laughs> How do I, you I like it? I remember it because it, it came out before I think it, I think it came out before I was born. Uh, I mean, the the movie's awful. I mean, the movie has its place, but it's very much a cult classic where it's you have to be in a certain mindset to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it's like unwatchable, and I think Talalay is an interesting director, but it's not like. I don't know. I don't go back to it, but I get the cult. I get the cult appeal. I mean, yeah. who doesn't want to see uh, Ice T as a kangaroo? I mean, that's that's the dream right there. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I mean, so I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, has Margot Robbie produced anything else? Like as like from a production standpoint, I Tanya, right? Yeah. Well, was that her production company, or did she just throw money at it? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I I remember like. Just hearing that she's a producer on a couple different things, I just can't remember the titles of any of it. Any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's. I mean, it's more. I, I think it's more so she's putting her name on it to get it made, kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think so. even like Birds of Prey might have her producing credit on it. I, yeah, I think sh- that wouldn't surprise me either. I'm sure. And I think she got credit for Big Short too. Oh really? Well, oh okay, sure. Um. Uh. And then other news. Uh, Jojo Rabbit won the. Uh, people's choice at Toronto 
Oh, um, interesting. Given the historically, yeah, it's I think it's at like sixty or fifty percent Rotten Tomatoes. Well, um, I mean that do, it doesn't surprise me that it gets that audience award at TIFF. My 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 fascination is how it's been dividing critics, and I I guess ultimately it depends on what the movie is, ends up being. So, um, I, having only seen a trailer, I only have one specific mindset on it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I like the idea, so. Um, I want to. Uh, I want to see if it works. The only reason why I bring it up is because historically speaking, those that win uh, TIFF uh, tend to also. It's almost like a guarantee to be nominated for Best Picture, um, and then also is sets a pretty good preset to win Best Picture too. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. And so I mean, you could say the same thing with uh, like if you look at like all the statistics and all that kind of stuff. Both JoJo and Joker have been kind of checking the boxes. Yeah. Now, yeah, jo- um, Joker's win was su- more surprising to me than say than hearing Jojo Rabbit's news just now. So I just think it's going to be insane if the big two films of the Oscars this year, the best pictures between, are Jojo Rabbit and The Joker. I just think that'd be the most interesting <laughs> Oscar year we could possibly have. I, I mean, like the only way you make it more interesting is you find the wor- the most outrageous host imaginable, or you still do the no host thing, but you like fill it with a bunch of crazy stunts. I think I mean, Gallagher should host. <laughs> I can do what I could do what Kimmel does, Mark. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, I mean that's interesting, especially because yeah, TIFF has been a good breeding ground for the Oscar nominees, whether it's Star Is Born or um, uh, Three Billboards. So, well, I mean, uh, last year Green Book won. Oh, that's right, that's right. Green Book won that TIFF award. Mm. Well, JoJo Rabbit's the next nice Best Picture winner, guys. <laughs> I mean. I mean, we'll see. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it'll be interesting to see how what other stuff comes down the pipeline. Like, I would never count out Scorsese. So, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be seeing that soon enough, and so you've got a review of that. And... T- do me a favor, don't tell me what you think because I don't want you to ruin it for me. <laughs> I mean, the review will be out, so you just have to not read it. Yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> actively avoid our website for a while. <laughs> uh, if so, from the past a uh, couple years, the past seven winners that have won People's Choice were Green Book, uh, Three Billboards, La La Land, Room, Imitation Game, and Twelve Years a Slave, and Silver Lines Playbook. Okay, so it's got a precedent. So yeah, right on. Anything else, Henry? Uh, I don't think so. That Kung Fury started filming. I'm not sure I mentioned that. Yeah, and no, Arnold Schwarzenegger's the president in it. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that one turns out. Wait, um, way to steal an idea from the Simpsons movie, guys. Um, and then the only other one I can really think of is that the Goldfinch is supposedly one of the biggest flops of all time. Oh, that doesn't surprise me given its response. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, here's the thing: the book is amazing. I know that's what's uh, shot. That's why it, that's why it's shocking. But I've heard other people say that it was going to be an impossible task to begin with. So no, it will be. I mean, it's it's, it's a film that you can't make into a film. Um, but uh, I mean, just I mean, again. Like I was banking on that and Lucy in the Sky being like the like two bigger Oscar candidates this year, and both of them are under twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And so Lucy in the Sky surprises me more than Goldfinch. Like I I I was really I was not expecting that film to be as ill received as it's becoming. So um, consequently, Ad Astra is getting major major buzz. So. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I. I I think there's a lot of good stuff from earlier this year that's that's carrying a lot more weight than the fall stuff right now. So that it'll be a fa- uh, for now. I mean, because because we still have to deal with uh, 
all the later festivals. And there's also like stuff that's like any stuff that's gaining like momentum, but has not done anything yet. Yeah, and um, we can't count, and, so. uh, and we and you can't count out the holiday films like uh, Little Women coming out. And um, so yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think that's everything I had. Cool. Right on. That's news. Uh, actually, Rico Kasich died from the cars. So oh. I Dang. Mean, a lot of his music is in a lot of movies. Yeah. So. Eddie Money, too. Eddie Money, Take yeah. Take Me Home Tonight. Um, I mean, two, two Tickets to Paradise is, is, is a song that's responsible for one of my favorite Simpsons gags where Homer's, like, angry that he can't get tickets to something. He keeps beating the radio, and then it finally plays Two Tickets to Paradise, and he just starts hit, bopping his head to it. <laughs> like, it, it's, yeah. But Eddie Money's, uh, his story is pretty interesting. I guess he was, like, a cop before he dropped out to become a musician or something. Mm. So yeah. props to him. Um, but uh, a lot of these things happen in threes. Who? So who else is going to be the '80s rock star to fill out the? Don't let it be D. Snyder. I want to see him do something crazy one more time before he goes. If I have to give up an Aerosmith member, I guess so. But I don't. You wanna... watch your damn mouth. I don't want to do that. I'm just saying I might have no yeah, choice because Zach the Grim Reaper over here. I, I don't know. Like y- yes, I'm the neurotic Grim. I'm, I'm the Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. It it should probably. I mean, we say it's gonna be one of these classic rock rock stars. It'll be Aerosmith or Rolling Stone or uh, one of the Beatles member, one of the remaining Beatles members. Uh, oh, in you- all likelihood, uh, it'll be Miley Cyrus, and so. Though that's how we keep. That's how you keep Keith and Mick alive, right? You sacrifice a younger artist, and then they get their blood. Their I'm convinced blood. that they're vampires. Yeah, oh yeah, it'll be something right. totally random too, like stepped on a, stepped on by an elephant or something. Miley Cyrus stomped by an elephant. Wow, that's mean. Uh, on the way to her new concert, someone comically dropped a safe on her. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One deranged fan thought she was a Looney Tune. <laughs> Her uh, limo driver ran into a wall that was painted oh. to look like a tunnel. Oh, God. Oh, Shades of the 90s right there. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, just maybe, we will get rid of David Byrne. I don't want that to happen, but... <laughs> get rid of... Wow. <laughs> we need to move on before Zach actually You know, it's hard to somebody. say, I don't want that to happen when you use the words, get rid of. I know. I, they were, they were, those were the wrong choice of words. What did they do I, to you? Th- those were the wrong choice of words, because I just watched that um, uh, that True Stories movie that he did, and um, it was actually really fun, so... I don't want it to happen, but we might be able to exterminate uh, Tom Perry. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Who? Tom Perry, god damn it! Tom Petty, he's dead. No, he, Tom Perry is the guitarist for Aerosmith. Yeah, oh. yeah, no, it's Joe Perry. Joe, Joe Perry. Perry is Aerosmith. Oh, is it Joe but... Perry? Oh, I don't know. See, you don't even Tom know who Perry. you're talking about. All right, at this point. I'm gonna get. This isn't a music podcast. We're getting out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Let's yeah. get back to movies, guys. All right. Uh, um, and by the way, I don't want David Byrne dead. <laughs> I don't know. He is a psycho killer. Guess, guess, say. <laughs> anyway, what should we move on to next? Uh, let's do some DVD and Blu-ray and 4K releases. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Blue, 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 Blu-ray. Uh, did anybody see Dark Phoenix other than us nerds? 
Who really? are you asking? <laughs> I don't know. There's no one else here, Zach. <laughs> I, I am apparently asking the same amount of people who uh, will be picking up the uh, Blu-ray and 4K, which is none. I'm still getting the steelbook. It's cool. It's a decent... Feel, i got to finish the set. It's a fine steelbook. I just... Uh, the movie. It's sold out. A lot of people want it, I you guess. Know, you know, I don't think the movie's as bad as it... Like, I, I remember liking it okay, but like the more I thought about it, the more I was disappointed by it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the... Um, uh, but yeah, you can also get the Batman four film collection in 4K. That cover is interesting um, for the box. Uh, Brad, are you picking that up? No, <laughs> I already got two of them, so I'm not gonna rebuy them. Um, oh, wait, it's it's Batman four film for. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the 1989 to 1997 collection, but all in 4K. I like that one. Oh, okay. there. There's an alternate there. Yes, that's a steelbook box. Yeah, that 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 looks that look mighty nice. I don't know if I need it though. That's the box that says we don't have to pay for the likenesses of Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones, Nicole Kidman, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer. That means Chris O'Donnell's on every cover. Well, just the other, t- just two of them. And William Hootkins is on the cover of one. He's on the cover. He, he could be. Like he's I on, said, he's on the backside. Maybe they don't have to consult him. He's dead. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, but there's a lot of back releases too this week. Uh, starting with Criterion putting out John Waters' Polyester, which uh, I'll definitely be picking up. Polyester's hilarious and actually it's one of Divine's best acting roles. Um, uh, the Warner Archive is putting out Popeye the Sailor Man Volume 3, uh, their Blu ray collection of the original shorts. You can pick that up. Uh, Arrow is putting out The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. I will uh, try to pick that up if I can. Uh, uh, Ernst Lubitsch movie from 1946 Clooney Brown is coming to uh, Blu-ray from Criterion uh, check that out they do really good work with uh, Lubitsch films um, you can get from Arrow The Prey uh, from 1984 go ahead and check that out uh, they're re-releasing Galaxy Quest in a 20th anniversary uh, steelbook is a st- it is a steelbook okay yeah. I was trying to make sure that was it um, one of my favorite releases of the week is the Archive Collection is putting out My Favorite Year on Blu-ray. If you've never seen My Favorite Year, it's a Peter O'Toole film that is fantastic. Uh, and it's uh, based off of Mel Brooks's experience working with Errol Flynn on the Year Show shows. And then see it's pseudo-sequel, A Most Violent Year with Oscar Isaac. No, no, no. Uh, Brad is South Park. Oh, this is a bundle pack. Uh, you can get seasons 11 through 15 of South Park on Blu-ray. Um, and Twilight Times putting out Whirlpool from 1949. I have no idea what that is, but I will have to look into that. Uh, if you want Vin Diesel and Find Me Guilty, go ahead and get that. I know Ryan won't be picking that up. Um, and that appears to be it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk about what we've what we've been watching. So uh yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Henry, what have you been watching? Uh I mean a lot, but nothing really of interest. Pick um, pick the best ones. Uh so I'm watch so my current actor that I'm watching through is John Travolta. Um, wow, oh, that's that's a big Oh catalog. my god. Um, and so, and I, I can't describe to you my immense and excruciating disappointment with Look Who's Talking. I mean, 
Wait, let's let's wait. back up for a second. <laughs> what did you expect? Yeah. So here's the thing. I didn't. I've always thought this film was had a different plot line. So I always thought this franchise was about babies who could talk, uh, and not that you just hear their thoughts, which I think is bullshit. Um, <laughs> so around forty minutes into watching this goddamn film, I'm like, when is the fucking baby gangster talking? Like. Come on, let's go. Like, but instead, it's just a really bad romantic comedy with Bruce Willis giving commentary the entire time, and that's not what I want to watch. Like, so they do they do talk in two and three and four. I I don't know how far they go, but it's Luke who's talking you, two and Luke who's talking now, which is dogs. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, but it was. How, what, how did you expect a movie from the nineteen eighties to handle baby mouth movements? No, I didn't expect. Them to, I didn't expect it to be like maybe be like a telepath thing or some. I don't know. But like, oh, you I mean just, like I was actually, like, when is he? When is Bruce Willis going to start talking to John Travolta? And then hijinks is going to happen. I Instead, see. it's just this awful goddamn story where no one's good, and now we have Bruce Willis here too. And also, the, it's just weird. It's I wasn't a fan of how creepy the film was. I think it's just you I, should you should listen to the How This Get Made podcast about that episode. Um, I've heard the third one. I don't know if I've heard the first two. The the Henry, you and I listened to We Hate Movies. They did Luke Who's Talking Now, and that's a whole fun discussion. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, God. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I do not remember those movies. They were on, like, they were on either the uh, Disney Channel or on ABC Family or something when it was ABC Family, and I don't remember a goddamn thing about any of them. So, um but yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Henry. I think you really just wanted to watch some Rugrats, but oh well. Or I mean, I don't know. It's just I had to really reevaluate my life choices when I got here. Um, uh, but anyway, I watched that. Um, I watched more. Uh, turn, I've passed all of the good Trollta films now, so I'm watching all the bad ones. Uh, um, okay. Uh, including uh, there's one that came out this year that no one. I don't know anyone who's seen or even talked about is or it even the, acknowledges exists. Is it the it's fan? Called, no, the fanatic. I saw that one too. That one's bad. Okay. Um, but this one's called Trading Paint. Yeah, I've seen that at Walmart. Serious, what was that? I saw the cover at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Um, it came out this year, apparently. Um, where it's ba- like he plays like not not NASCAR, but like. Like not NASCAR, NASCAR, but not NASCAR. Like it's a training thing, but like the little leagues. Yeah, and he's and he's like, and it's like so he's like he owns like a team or whatever, and his son is the driver. Um, and his son is like, listen, I'm not gonna win with you, so I'm gonna go work for the rival team, which is ran by uh, oh, what's his name from uh, the other Tarantino, uh, Michael Madsen, um. <laughs> So he goes to work for Michael Madsen, uh, and so John. So then John Travolta is like, "Well, I guess I'll just become the driver then," uh, and it becomes a rivalry between John Travolta and his son, who's working for Michael Madsen. Who I don't know, like, what his health is like, but he can't speak anymore, um, <laughs> as evident from this film. Um, and uh, yeah, it's that's the only because it came out this year, and I've never heard of it before. And it's not like awful, awful. It's just you know. If someone took, like, Talladega Nights and made it a drama, um, 
I don't know. So it's just not very good. So is the only story about racing a rivalry? Like, is that the I only mean, thing that they can do with racing? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as it's. It's basically like the whole thing with racing movies is that like it always ends up being between two people, which is fascinating because I'm pretty sure racers usually have like 50 people on the track, right? Um, and I want to I want to know the guy who's coming in 13th place's story because clearly he's still good enough to be paid. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, well, there'll be another rivalry racing film coming out later this year that might also win Best Picture. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We, we will see. <laughs> What else you watch? Me? Yeah, what else you got? Yeah, what else did you watch? Okay, gee, all right. Um, We're done with this one. <laughs> I watched Battlefield Earth. Oh, man. Um, boy, that film the is... theater. That You saw it in theaters? I'm so sorry you had to pay for that. I Actually, I slept through most of it, but yeah. Okay, we got a good nap then. Yeah, but I did pay um, for it, so that sucks. That's CGI. is some of the worst CGI. I, like, beyond just a story aspect... Like, the story aspect is hit or miss, whatever. That CGI is probably the worst CGI I've ever seen. And they went all... They, like, were like, listen, this is going to be the future. We're going to go all out with this. And they did not go well. Um, yeah, I don't remember that CGI at all. It's it's. You should watch the trailer for this film. Because it's laughable. Oh, I'm sure it is. Like... I, I saw it. It got me into the theater. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should watch it now. Because it's it's yeah it's something else. Um, and then uh, I guess the last one I'll talk about. I watched Saturday Night Fever for the first time. Um, and one thing I found fun is that John Travolta says basically every single slur I've ever heard uh, in this film, and he's the hero. Gross. Um, I'm surprised people like this film. <laughs> uh, I guess it's just one of the things where it's like you know it's a dance film, and Bee- the Bee Gees are nice. They have good music. I don't think anyone no, like. I think I think people from the seventies still like it. I don't think anyone nowadays is a big fan of it. Yeah, that I know of. Which one? I mean, it's just Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever. I mean, it's it's better than the quote unquote sequel that Stallone directed. I haven't seen that one yet, so I can give you updates. Yeah, yeah. Let me know what you um. think of that one. <laughs> All I know is that there was like a solid 15 to 30 second sequence where John Travolta just lifts, like, says basically the N-word in four other variations of the N-word. Uh, and oh yeah, it's as, 70s, l- alright. it's right. like a fun, it's a fun scene, and boy did that not play well to camera well, <laughs> in today's culture, and so... Yeah, yeah. 70s um, were an interesting time. Saturday Night, Li- or Saturday Night Fever, cancelled. <laughs> The next victim of ca- of cancel culture, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. You're oh on notice, God. man. Um, and then yeah, that's basically it. I mean, everything else is like, I don't know, not really worth mentioning. And so, yeah. Zach, what did you watch? Uh, like I said uh, earlier, I watched True Stories, uh, the David Byrne film, which is probably why I was mentioning his name. Um, you hated that much. No, no, I don't actually. Um, it's a pretty little fun film. It's uh, it's composed of a bunch of vignettes, and they're celebrating. It's a, it's a town in Texas is celebrating. It's like, uh, it's like celebrate. They call it the celebration of awesomeness, and uh, there's some fun vignettes in there. John Goodman's in it, and um, uh, but my favorite, one of my favorite segments has to be with Susie Swoozie Kurtz. Uh, playing a woman who doesn't leave her bed, um, so it, it's a fun film. Um, I I got it on, uh, uh, I found it on VOD, but I want to get the Criterion 
So, um, yeah, check out uh, True Stories. It's a fun flick that nobody watched in the eighties. Um, actually, if if we could have, if we ever have to redo eighty six for whatever reason, I would put it there. Uh, oh. I know we will never do it, but. Um, but uh, well, you never know. And, t- and when we make, when we get to twenty twenty six, we'll probably have to. And so, yeah, yeah, we'll be desperate. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not ultimately uh, like beset on it. Like, I'd have to figure out where I'd put it. Is the thing. Uh, so, but anyway, regardless, um, uh, I rewatched the Sunshine Boys, uh, which is one of my favorite uh, films of all time. Uh, it's a film with Walter Matthau and George Burns from a screenplay by Neil Simon, um, who passed away not too long ago. Um, and, uh, movie still great holds up. Uh, the Warner archive Blu-ray is fantastic. Has a commentary by Richard Benjamin has uh, te- test makeup, uh, uh, camera test footage of Walter Matthau and Jack Benny, who was originally supposed to be in the movie and also Phil Silvers and his screen test has sound. So jealous cause the Benny one doesn't. Um, and then, um, the last thing that I watched was uh, I watched Rope again, this time in the theater. Uh, by the way, if you uh, haven't heard the Shambly Silhouette with Henry on it, uh, you should check it out. It's episode four, and we talk about Rope and how much Henry doesn't like James Stewart. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, movie's still great. Played well with an audience. Um, theater was nearly full, so uh, that's that's a good bonus for it. Um, I would... Uh, I'd say it was about as well attended as last week's, but it still hasn't topped uh, the sellout for North by Northwest. So uh, next week is going to be Charade, which is not Hitchcock, but Hitchcock-like. So, um, yeah, can't wait to check that all out. Um, and actually, I did watch one other thing, which was uh, the uh, six-hour documentary about uh, MGM's history, When the Lion Roars. And I only watch that when I really want to watch Patrick Stewart do weird and crazy things because he hosts the documentary and he's walking around Art Deco sets saying ridiculous things that have been scripted for him. And uh, there's miniatures all over the place interspliced with the archive footage and interviews. And uh, it's Ted Turner excess at its finest. And uh, even the theme song for this documentary on MGM sounds like it came out of Alexander courage or Jerry Goldsmith for star Trek. It's really strange. Um, I'll have to show you some footage from it, Brad, cause you might get a kick out of uh, watching it. Uh, there's actually a scene where he's introducing the idea of the factory mentality of Hollywood back in the golden era. Right. And there's people walking through and by him and whatnot. And the, a chorus girl, who's woman who's dressed up to look like a chorus girl, walks by Patrick Stewart and he stops what he's saying mid-sentence, turns and look and eyeballs her butt. And then comes back and goes, but the movies were so much more than that. <laughs> like, it's it's just funny. Like, it, it's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, yeah, and that's all I watched this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, this week I watched Lock Up. Came out on 4K. Ooh. The Stallone in prison. One of, I guess he's had multiple stolen in prisons. Donald Sutherland. Movies. Donald uh, Sutherland. But yeah, Donald Sutherland is a corrupt warden uh, who is upset that Stallone broke out of prison because he wanted to vo- visit his dying surrogate father. Um, and he's held a grudge ever since. And six six months before Stallone's ready to just get out uh, on his own term, uh, he gets transferred to a tougher prison and 
put through the ringer because Sutherland's the warden. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's it's a fun watch. Like I still haven't seen this movie, but I remember your description of it on eighty nine Film Explosion, and it sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll have to check out the movie out now. So, and then it actually looks great on four K. I, I I was I was suspecting that it was going to be more of an upscale thing, uh, where they just kind of like stretch it out. Right. Um, but no, it, it looks pretty good. Who put so. it out? I don't know. <laughs> Studio Canal. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they usually do pretty good. They put out. They have their their version of the Third Man is looks really good. Yeah. So, and the special features are. Uh, I, I didn't check it against the DVD, but. Um, it seems like they have a lot of interviews with cast members, mm-hmm. but if you actually watch it, uh, the the interview parts, like interview with Donald Sutherland, is literally just a clip from some other interview. Um, you know, the Stone Alone Stone one. There's like three questions, but Sutherland he answers one. And it's, it's, just, it's just one thing, and I was like, wow, this could have just been one. Can I? feature it, can i guess what the question was would anybody like to smoke some pot and then donald Sutherland goes that's really funny that's really really funny no nope. interview over nope. that did not happen that'd be so funny if it did and then the last thing i watched was an amazon prime show called fleabag i've oh, heard good show. things about this uh yeah i mean i'm sort of enjoying it it's obviously um so the premise of the show is there's uh this Woman in England, and it's a fourth wall breaking show where she kind of uh, is growing. Uh, her, her life isn't going so well. Um, she is a bit of a mess herself. Uh, a lot of her situation in life is because of she doesn't have her shit together. Uh, but she she goes through these scenarios with her job and her family, um, and breaks the fourth wall, giving commentary quite frequently about what's going on in the situation. Uh, and with relationships with men, um, it stars Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is the voice of the droid in Solo, and she's apparently helping co-write the new Bond movie. Right, um, and but it's very much like a, a woman's experience. So there's a little bit of like I can't, I like I don't feel totally, like I can't totally get into it. Like it's, I, I'm not connecting entirely. But I was I was blown away because I didn't really think about it too much. What? what no, no, I'm just, I'm just, I was just giving you shit. It's all good. Um, you know, I watched I think four or five episodes, and at the end of it, I was like, I don't, I don't think I know the character's name. Mm. Um, and then I go like, I read the descriptions on the on the the Amazon Prime, and they literally call her Fleabag. Like Fleabag gets into another you know, like scenario, blah blah blah. I'm like, is the character is her? Like I just thought it was like a description of the character, huh? Um. But I guess her name is Fleabag, and that's funny. I don't know. Um, Henry, you had some thoughts on it? I mean, I like it. It's, uh, like, I'm in kind of the same boat where it's like, I can't really relate to it, but I still find it enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I, I, someone described it to me as if Girls and Deadpool were the same show. Oh, that's a good. Um, huh. and, I, and I can definitely see that. Um, that's a really good description, actually. I have not. Because it's just about as filthy, too. I haven't watched, yeah. I haven't watched Girls in a while. And I I never like fin- I only watched like the first couple of seasons. I don't know if it would hold up for me. But this show sounds fun. Yeah, I'll I'll keep watching it. Yeah, I mean it's also like the entire series is short. It's only like twelve episodes, I think. There's two of them um, now, right? Yeah, yeah. And she said yeah. it's over now. So. Oh. Alrighty then. 
Damn. It did, to be fair, it is a British show, and so they're going very much off those rules. And so, yeah. Yeah, they usually have short lifespans. Yeah. Imagine uh, if she's the also, real... She's uh, also... Phoebe Waller-Ridge is also the same person who makes that Killing Eve show, which is also apparently very good, but not seen. That would it so. would make it would make more sense if there's more ep- episodes of Killing Eve than, than this one because Killing Eve's huge for uh, mm-hmm. Sandra O. Oh. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, if the real nerds did a British show, they would have been done a long time ago. Like they know when to stop. British real nerds. It's an idea I'm pitching out there hmm. to the world. We did that. It lasted one season. <laughs> that's why it's only one season because we're going off British rules. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's the pot show. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing, I, I've been playing a little bit of uh, South Park, the, fra- the Fractured Butthole, and that's... Still a great title for a game. Still a great title for a game, and it's, it's a fun game. Uh, a little less, I don't know, it's a little less in involved, I guess, than Stick of Truth, it feels like. Hmm. I mean, it's been a while since I played Stick of Truth, but it feels like Stick of Truth was more intricate. Um, this, I'm, I'm very much following... I'm I'm following the story. I'm not uh, going off and doing my own things as much. Okay. Um, it just feels like a little lighter. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a good time. So that brings us to our review of the week, which is three reviews. So let's roll the dice and see who gets to start first to talk about what movie they were assigned and what they experienced. Roll that dice, Henry. Ka-chunk. Oh, it's Zach. Okay. Zach, what'd you watch? Uh, so, uh, on Hulu, I watched the Hulu original documentary, The Amazing Jonathan Documentary. I want to see this. Nothing you're seeing is real. Can you trust anything that a magician does? Do you remember the first email you ever sent to me? No. It's very short, very simple. So it ends with, if we just stick to the truth. What's your point to this? What are you saying, Ben? Put your hands together for Amazing Jonathan. The Amazing Jonathan sort of deconstructed magic. He was like a rebel magician. I loved him. I performed in over 100 TV shows, made millions of dollars, and everything came crashing down when I was told I had a year to live. It's not a joke. So, my diagnosis with a heart problem was years ago. I'm overdue. Do a little speed now and then. He's never going to quit. I want to go back on the road and do some more shows. He associates the success with the drugs. What are we telling him to go back to? It's not a good idea. What if he died on stage with people laughing because they thought it was part of his bit? Do you think there's any chance he's fabricating his diagnosis? The amazing Jonathan setting off a little bit of a comeback tour. Is he still sick? You know, you just never know with him. Is this a joke? Every morning I wake up worrying that he's going to not be alive anymore. Everyone thought that the whole dying bit was a prank. I feel dizzy. You need answers, buddy. Why are you even asking me that? Are you disappointed that I'm not dying in your time frame? Don't, don't go. You're wasting my time. What is really going on? This is way out of my realm. It's like private investigator work. Access might be cut off. I feel bad that I'm using him for his death. It's been going on for too long. He's been working on this for years. You need to finish something up. You're dealing with a mess. And they don't want to be filmed. (laughs) What is the story here? 
I want you to smoke with me. If I was in your shoes, I would smoke meth. It's gonzo journalism. Keep telling yourself that. Absolutely not. You have to. I'm making a documentary on you. The other documentary team was there. So is it a race to get yours out first now? Why don't you see how weird that is? They do. We both gonna kill each other. So yeah, the amazing Jonathan documentary, uh, it's a documentary by a guy named Ben Berman, uh, who, uh, full disclosure, I had no idea who either of the people in this documentary are, so I kind of went in super blank. But uh, The Amazing Jonathan was a stand-up comedian slash magician um, who hit a lot of the talk show circuit, had a big show in Vegas, um, uh, was beloved by others in the industry, such as Weird Al Yankovic, uh, Carrot Top, Penn Jillette, uh, a lot of the people who work in Vegas regularly, too. Uh, Eric Andre's in the documentary at one point. Um, and uh, in 2014, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness uh, where he would only have one year to live. But four years later, he's still alive. And uh, Ben Berman does a... Everything okay? Yeah, well, that, there's like a squeaking noise over there. It's probably a cricket. Cricket been keeping me awake all week. Uh, but uh, anyway, so the... Um, I hate crickets. <laughs> um uh, but uh, anyway, the documentary uh, uh, has Ben Berman following around the amazing Jonathan, who's still alive four years after his diagnosis, uh, and basically sitting around his house and doing nothing. Uh, and Smoking crack. Smoking speed crack. It's meth. He's smoking meth. Um, and, uh, and they actually have to keep asking throughout the movie if it's okay to legally show somebody smoking meth on screen. Uh, so, um, uh, the amazing Jonathan is making the decision to start touring again against doctor's advice. And it's very hard to describe how much further this goes. So do you want spoilers, Brad or not? Um, I, it's on, it's on Hulu, so I, I won't get to watch it. So do, do okay. your worst. So the, 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 the long and short of it is, is that at a certain point in the documentary, pretty early on, actually, uh, another documentary crew comes into the picture and it turns out that the amazing Jonathan had allowed another documentary crew to film, uh, movie progresses a little bit. And then a third documentarian who started making a documentary about amazing Jonathan in 2014 comes back into the picture a little bit more, a little more, a little more. And then it's revealed that a fourth person started doing a documentary about him in 2014, but stopped. And she wouldn't be on camera, but provided footage uh, for them of what she had shot. Uh, this, the third guy that was doing a documentary on him uh, is interviewed on the documentary. And uh, he's he's very cordial about the whole situation. He's, you know, like he doesn't feel there's a huge conflict between everything. Uh, the well, second he's also doc- like that. The, the third guy is also not a documentary filmmaker. No, yeah, he's he's a guy who juggles chainsaws. So, have you seen this, Henry? Yeah, I saw it. This is my number two of the year. Okay, right on. So, uh, the uh, and but the second documentary crew that's introduced uh, refused to be shown on screen, and the amazing Jonathan keeps claiming that they are uh, the same people who helped make search- searching for Sugar Man and Man on Wire. 
So Ben Berman's whole conundrum is trying to figure out if uh, Amazing Jonathan is fucking with him or not. Uh, and in the process, he's kind of learning about why he would want to make a documentary about a dying man in the first place. And uh, the, uh, the movie kind of plays out as if, though, it's going to reveal an Andy Kaufman-esque prank uh, on Amazing Jonathan's part towards Ben. But the reality is is that by the end of it, it actually uh, – hits back at our assumptions on where the documentary is going to go. Um, and and a, in a weird way, the way I read it was that it was kind of uh, pointing a finger at an audience that is starving for documentaries that have a gotcha kind of a quality to them or like a huge revelation or some kind of huge twist and like, uh, uh, like a catfish kind of vibe and just kind of like pointing the finger back at the audience. Um, because by the end of it, it's it's pretty clear that this man's dying, um, and just just he just hasn't expired yet for whatever reason. He's still alive, um, and uh, I I think my only issue with the documentary on only one viewing because I would like to rewatch it. I do recommend people watch this movie. It is I don't know if it's in my top ten of the year, but it has a lot of potential to be because it's so fascinating. Um, and uh, the the ultimate thing that I that troubles me a little bit is how much Ben Berman is in, uh, puts himself into the story, uh, because at a certain point it stops becoming about Amazing Jonathan. It becomes about Ben Berman and his uh, assumptions and his ultimately coming to terms with the fact that he might have been exploiting Jonathan, which is interesting. But I also want more Jonathan because well, at the same time though, I think like. Like, how I describe it to people when I show it to people, because, like, I, I went in the same way where I've never heard of either of them. Um, I went in pretty blind, because uh, I, I just seen that it was getting, like, a lot of, like, I had seen it pop up in my feed a lot, and I was, like, eventually I was just like, oh, I'll check it out. Um, I describe it as a film that's, like, I, like, when I tell people to check it out, I say, just no, it's not about Amazing Jonathan. Uh, like, it starts that way, but the film is really about, it, it, the, the main character is Ben. And it becomes more so like a, th- it becomes an analyzation of documentary filmmaking and the idea, because the, the whole thing of it is him trying to figure, like once like the, the third crew comes around, it becomes him trying to figure out how am I going to make my documentary different. Right. Um, and, 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 that, and so here's the thing that I was going to get to is that as much as that's an issue for me, I also understand that that's the point of the film. And so I'm a little torn because I kind of want to know more about Jonathan but I also understand that that's not the point. And so that's why, like, it's hard for me to say if I'd put this on a top 10, but I, if I was being, like, supremely objective, I'd say, yes, this is one of the best films of the year because it's pointing out something about our documentary-obsessed culture. Like, I love documentaries. I love watching them. But I'm aware, especially after watching this film, that there's a lot of – there. There's a there's a realm of exploitation that's not being considered when people are making those documentaries. So, uh, like, b- both good and bad, I guess you'd call it. But like, the bottom line is is that it's it's very aware of itself. It's <laughs> by by nature of its creation, um, and it's a very fascinating watch from that perspective because Berman comes to terms with a lot of things uh, in terms of 
why he would want to make this kind of movie and also why would you have four other people or three other people competing against him to make their documentary about Jonathan and it points out like they interview the actual producer of Searching for Sugar Man and um uh, uh Man on Wire Simon uh Simon Sharon I think his I name can't is remember, I can't remember his name but yeah something like that but uh so and he 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 says one of the best things in the movie, and it's near the end, so it's like a good summation, which is just like uh, everybody's going to gravitate to the same story, and so it proves as an interest, it's an interesting conundrum for people trying to make documentaries um, and has caused a problem in the, for in the art form itself. Um, like he's not like like condemning anything, but he's, he's pointing out that it is an issue. Um, and by the end of it um, – I think ultimately what I came away with was at least from this first viewing was that this is a story that has hooks in you every other minute and you just got to keep watching. The last time I saw a documentary that had my eyes glued to the screen like that was probably Exit to the Gift Shop, which was over what, nine years ago, eight, eight or nine years ago, eight, so eight years ago. Um, and they both run into similar situations, but I think – uh, exit through the gift shops a little trickier than what um, uh, Amazing Jonathan documentary is doing. Like Amazing Jonathan documentary is a little bit more of a main, a streamlined version of what Exit through the gift shops did. Um, so yeah, I would check it out if you've got Hulu. Uh, I would check it out. It's at the very least interesting. I want to watch it again because even though I have the problem with the point of the movie, I wouldn't be opposed to reevaluating it after like letting it sit for a minute. You know, another thing I'd say about it too, is that on your criticism that you don't get enough amazing Jonathan around halfway through the film, there is that kind of turning point where the director figures out that everything that he has, everyone else has already as well. Yeah. And I think that also shows that like, by that point you've, you've seen everything there's to show uh, and that he might, he might just not be that interesting of a portrait. Yeah, um, and again, that's why that's why I want to rewatch it because I, I might have been a little off put by its intent. But like, I've seen movies like that before where I'm off put by its initial intent, and then I watch it again, and I'm like, oh, I just wasn't reading this correctly the first time. So yeah. uh, it is kind of like it is a gotcha type film because it you are kind of tricked into watching what it's actually about. So yeah, and and there's also like a part of me that always kind of believed that Berman was following a, a following a false path because they establish up front that Jonathan's a drug addict <laughs> and no yeah. It's not that Jonathan's lying, it's that Jonathan's a drug addict. <laughs> so yeah. uh I mean like his poor wife is clearly having to just accept it for whatever reason she's just continuing to enable him which that's a whole other set of opinions but mm -hmm. uh, but anyway um yeah i would check it out it's a very fascinating documentary um not just about a showbiz figure but uh, about how we uh, uh should reckon with this genre that has become very popular in the streaming era mm -hmm. and i agree with you henry it it, it I mean, I don't know if I'd put it on my list yet, but it is one of the, it is one of the best movies I've seen this year, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, well, right. Henry, can you roll that D20 or uh, loaded die? Right. And well, since there's only two of us now, uh, Brad, heads or tails? Heads. It's heads. You go. You go. All right. I watched Paddleton. All right, listen. How about this? How about I'm going to make a statement, and if it's a true statement, then you don't have to correct me. 
is what Michael has incurable? Yeah, that's a question. You got to it has to be a, right, state, has to be a, a statement. statement and then the truth. All right, so my statement is what Michael has is incurable. That's it. So I'm thinking before it gets bad, I want to end it. I don't want to change things, you know. I want to make some pizzas. I want to play some paddleton. They got a whole process that they give you the pills you can take, but I don't want to do it alone and I was hoping you'd help me out. Don't, don't drop it! The places where you could fulfill the prescription is six hours. Guess we can do a little road trip. What's the worst case scenario? We're What's the worst case scenario? We run out of gas here. Next thing you know, we're drinking our urine. How do you get from running out of gas? The next step is drinking urine. Fastest land animal, 40 miles an hour. The cheetah goes 60 or 65. It's okay. I'm the dying guy. I'm the dying guy. Stop saying it. I'm the dying guy. I'm the other guy. Fake it. If you had to live like this, you could adapt. This is how bees see. Who thought you were dead? Can't give up. Miracles happen. No, sir. Mark Duplass and Ray Romano star in this film about two friends um, uh, who Mark Duplass's character finds out that he is terminally ill and he doesn't want to go through um, any longer dealing with it so he enlists Ray Romano to help him kill himself um, and I guess the name Palton is a uh, full disclosure this movie put me to sleep <laughs> okay um, and I didn't get around to finishing it. I watched most of it. Um, but do you, do you like Duplass stuff? I do. Uh, I don't know if this was a mumblecore thing, which I, they're, uh, consistently, uh, like labeled as, Oh, I have no idea what Paddleton is. That's why I was like kind of dishing for that info. So it's not mumblecore or I, I can't tell. Like okay. it just seems, I would say it is. You think it is? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, would say so. It could be. Um, it, it feels like it could Not be. Not like hardcore, like mumblecore, like from like the 2000s, but I think it would still fall under the same kind of category. Okay. Henry, is that mumble hard? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that the name of the movie comes from the fact that these, these two friends play like this game of tennis that they made up where they're like just bouncing a tennis ball off of the back of a drive-in and trying to get into an old oil drum. Um and whoever does that wins. Um, but uh, th- it, it relates to the story, I guess, is that, you know, Ray Romano, after some coercing, agrees to help M- Mark Duplass acquire some meds that will kill him. Um, but he also tries, he still tries to keep him from doing it. So, and he'll, he'll consistently, per- like, passive-aggressively, you know, tell mark that he'll you know he's on board but then he'll sabotage the next plan and so as they go like every time mark duplass tries to kill himself ray romano steps in and like 
ruins the plan. So, um, and that's without seeing the end. That's all I remember. Um, and it's, it's just kind of like a small indie film with a simple premise, but it's, it's yeah, it, I, there wasn't much more than that. So it's very slow and quiet and okay, yeah. So, same well seen it. No, is it? Uh, well, I saw it. Um, yeah, I mean, like I liked it, which is why I put because it was one of my five picks. Um, I liked it, and it was like even my top ten for a while. Uh, it might still be, but I don't think it will be by the end of the year. What did you uh, like about it? I mean, I liked Mark uh, the Duplass brothers in general. I thought Ray Mono gives a good performance in it. Um, and it's also just uh, it, it's I I don't know I've Did I get very it right? much gotten over the mumblecore trend, and that film was one that was like okay, well I can I can get along with that still, and so yeah, I, I didn't it didn't seem like a, it was any different from any other movie, you know, at that yeah. level that I've seen. You know, I, I can I can totally see them making up the dialogue right then yeah. and there, and then editing around it, but uh, um. Yeah, I mean everyone's acting well. It's just I wasn't just I just wasn't interested in, in the story and how it was being depicted. Like it just wasn't. Yeah. Um, it's, it makes very much sense that it's a Netflix film and not a Mumblecore from the Winter Theaters. Yeah. So, but did I get the premise right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, premise right. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. That's it for me. <laughs> All right, cool. Henry. What did you roll for yourself? Uh. For the tunk. All right, cool. It's my turn now. Uh, I got Suspiria, uh, which was a Zach pick. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, by the way, if you want, uh, you can look at all five of our picks on my Letterbox account. There's a list called Stream Team 2019. <laughs> I still uh, love that see. we're the Stream Team. <laughs> yeah, you can see all five, or you can see all uh, fifteen. Um, so did everyone send in, like, did all five of us send in things? No, no. Um, that's why mine, right? like, it ended up being, like, most of the picks. Because, I mean, I rolled for James and Zach. Not Zach. I did, oh, I did roll for Zach. For James and uh, Ryan as well. Uh, and pretty much everyone except for myself got uh, uh, only my picks, which I felt bad for. Um, but uh, it was predominantly uh, just because it was, like, a one in three chance. So, Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Hey, I, I, I don't... I no argument here. I enjoyed my movie. Like, <laughs> I want to watch it again if that says anything. So, and again, Brad, you could have seen the perfect date. No, I, I wanted other people to see the ones I picked. <laughs> no, yeah, and I kind of because I've been wanting to watch Brad's status and Love and Friendship for a while too. Um, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I thought one it's some day. fun ones. But no, I'm Henry. I made you watch some Luca Guadagnino. So I did, and it's probably my least favorite of his work. Um, Should we play a trailer for Suspiria? Sure. At the beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance. Perfect sleep. Oh, she wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. Oh, she can see me. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. 
complex, incredible. One, two, three. The way she transmits her work. You have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. You are living with dangerous people. So Henry, I have for Suspiria. And so Henry, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I, mm-hmm. I I know it's on Prime, so I can watch it anytime. But tell me, how'd you like it? Uh, I mean, I'm a pretty. I've been a a good Dino fan for a while. Um, if you remember correctly, one of his earlier films was one of the first uh, Art House Assholes I did. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Because I did a bigger splash, and then a couple years later, I did Call Him by Your Name. Yeah. Um. And so I'm familiar-ish with his work. I haven't seen everything, obviously. Um, Call Me By Your Name is really great. (laughs) Call Me By Your Name is great. It's also his most mainstream film. Yeah. Uh, And so so I understand why a lot of people hated this film, because they went into this from Call Me By Your Name for the most part. Well, that was Uh, a dumb idea. (laughs) um, Because it's the spirit. So this film is exactly what you'd expect for an Italian art house director to remake a... uh, Italian like, horror master. The original, the original's Italian, right? It, yeah, it's Dario Argento, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, it's It's exactly what you'd expect from an art house director uh, directing a remake of an art house horror film from the 70s, I want to say? Yep, 70s. Yeah. Uh, it's it's certainly weird. Um, one, it's way too goddamn long. Um, it's almost three hours. Um which for a horror film in general is always, I think, too long. Um, uh, I admire it's very artistic. So if you want to find a really, if you want to look a really artistic art house horror film, this is definitely up your alley. It's not bad by any means. I think everyone does a good job in it. The cinematography is really good. Um, the uh, sound design and the uh, production design is also uh, fantastic. Uh, the only issue is that I can't really call it a slow burn film because it's not. Uh, because like the actual horror scenes are extraordinarily well done and extraordinarily disturbing, but you get them and then you have to have like a thirty to forty five minute cooldown for the next one, uh, and so it's not a slow burn because it's just poorly paced. And so I don't know. Tillis Winton's great in it. Dakota Johnson's great in it. Everyone is good in it for the most part. Uh, 
I didn't really have any complaints in terms of acting wise. I didn't really have a complaint. I didn't really have any complaints in general, except for that it's just very poorly paced. Um, but the actual dance sequences and the horror sequences are very, very well done uh, and very disturbing. And those—that's what kind of kept me going. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, no one else has seen it, right? Like neither of you two have. No, I, well, I've seen the original Suspiria. Uh, yeah, I also, I've not seen the original Suspiria either. So that's. There's that. So. Here's the thing. I don't remember the original Suspiria that much, so I don't. Um, I, I I I would not be an expert by any means. Um, but I'm curious still enough to watch it, and it being on Prime is more than enough of a reason to give it a chance. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, as a Guadagnino movie, uh, I mean, it's unfortunate to hear, but I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a different opinion on it. I, I'm. Yeah. I, I if I tend to be a little bit more forgiving for longer movies if they really hook me with the premise so mm-hmm. uh, and horror films can be whatever length as uh, we experienced last week so what did you guys see last week uh it chapter two. Oh right yeah yeah if you want to count that i guess i don't know i mean it well, is a horror, a horror film i don't know if i count that as a success <laughs> I, I had fun with it um, but yeah anyway cool right on well uh there you go yeah. Stream Team 27, 2019. Go Stream You're two years team. behind, Brad. I almost blew that. Go Stream Venture. All right, cool. Uh, I think next week we're seeing Rambo Last Blood. Will it be the last um, blood, Brad? I, 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 well, yeah, like next week is Rambo and Ad Astra, if you want to see either of those two. That is true. There's Ad Astra. Uh, and also, I don't want to, you know, for James, it might be the perfect week for him to come back because Downton Abbey is back. Uh, Down Abbey's in theaters that week as well. That is true. It's going to be tough to get Ryan to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and the only reason I'm not going to go to it in its theatrical run is because I still haven't finished watching the show. So, All I'm saying is that that film would do far better in the box office if it just included uh, Paddington. I, um, I agree. If instead of the Queen visiting the house, it was Paddington would be better you can say that about basically any film if uh he didn't steal the painting in the goldfinch and instead he stole paddington uh the film would be better uh i if an angel has fallen if uh he was not blackmailed but paddington was blackmailed and they had to save him it would be a better (laughs) film uh i i i'm all in favor of having paddington play dr loomis in the new halloween kills and halloween ends movies so i mean he could totally take down michael myers well, he just has to give up one cold, long stare. Yeah. And, 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 well, in Halloween Kills, it would be a true matchup because Michael could stare him down pretty hard. But then in Halloween Ends, Paddington just stares the hardest stare any bear's ever stared. And then Michael just can't take it and jumps off a bridge. I think Marvel, I think Marvel needs to buy the license to Paddington and start a uh, Paddington cinematic universe called the Stare Bears. That'd be good. That'd be Where they just defeat evil well, by be, staring. Uh, Paddington, Corduroy. Yeah. Um, there's no, There's a third one. Oh, uh, the the elephant uh, from that one animated show. Babar. Babar. He's a bar in there. Henry. Don't disrespect him. He's king of the elephants. Hmm. Okay, but he's no Paddington though. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh, uh, Paddington, Corduroy, and Babar, and Snagglepuss. Because I want Snagglepuss and stuff. I mean, they already own. I mean, it's Disney, so that you could also throw in uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, uh, yep. Get the, get the Care Bears could be like the Gardens of the Galaxy of that cinematic universe. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Teddy Ruxpin. Oh, Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, I can get him in there. Uh, Brigsby Bear. 
<laughs> God, there's just so many that you could throw in here. Hey, we can't forget Yogi Bear because he's smarter yeah. than the average bear. You get Yogi Bear. Uh, fuck it, let's throw an actual grizzly bear in too. Yeah, um, just oh, see the, what happens. The, Brutus the bear. No, the grizzly bear who killed those uh, those nature lover or the, those guys in uh, Grizzly Man. Like, let's get those bears. Can we get those bears? Yep, Herner the- Wartsaw can, can uh, narrate the whole thing. But as I watched all of these bears, I was so confused. And I, I said to myself, I would be in the Mandalorian. We could also get the bear from the bear. Oh, you're right. Look at all these different bears we could have. Uh, the bear from the Revenant? He, he'll oh. be the, he's going to be the bad guy. He's going to be the Thanos. Because if he could right. kill Leo, if he could, if he could hurt Leo that bad, imagine what he's going to do to all those cartoon bears. <laughs> Brother bear, brother. Bear. Oh, Ted! You can get Ted in there. Yeah, but yeah, but Ted would be like the wacky sidekick. He would be really... the Deadpool of the universe. Yeah, that's true. He wouldn't really do much, but what he does do is fun. Um, and then I, I think ultimately, and then the country bears. Oh, oh the country God. bears. Yeah, of course. We gotta get that musical genre in there at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, we will need a bear musical at some point. I mean, oh, boy, what other bears are there? Have we gone through all the bears in... Uh, it's, it's a different kind of bear, but you can get Kung Fu Panda uh, in there. Um, yeah, valid. Yeah. Uh, I'd argue you can get Bongo the Bear from Fun and Fancy Free as one of your obscure titles that, you know, somehow makes a big success. Blue the Bear. Well, yeah, it'll be the Eternals of this Bo- universe. Yeah, but uh, Blue the Bear. We can, get, you know, we bear, can, we can bring no, back yeah. Phil Harris from the grave and CGI him down a little bit from death. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, because I don't think all the, I don't know if the fans want Bill Murray to reprise the role yet. I'm not sure. Um, Brother yeah. Bear. Oh, you also get Andy Serkis as Baloo, and it's the Mirror Universe Baloo. Oh, yeah. So he's got like a oh, little goatee. Right, yeah. The ultimate, the ultimate universe. He he has a goatee and also a lower lip thing going yeah. as Andy Serkis. And a scar. Does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the bear from Open Season. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna go so far. Henry's got a list somewhere in front of him. That's why he's able to do this. <laughs> you think I would have remembered the bear from Open Season if I didn't have a list in front of me? Uh, y- yeah, I-, I think the bear would. from Grizzly Star of 1976 is Grizzly. Ooh, that could be like the edgy offspring of it all. You know, like I don't know that. You know what? That's a Disney Plus series. Is well, the, of course, yeah. That, that Grizzly. Oh, the bear from Brave. Yeah. The mom. Yeah, what about the bear from Cry Cry Wilderness? I haven't seen it, but sure, throw him in here. <laughs> Mister Science Theater did that one. Oh, Cry Wilderness! Watch new MST three key guys. We need more of it. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned next week when we continue listing off more bears in movies. <laughs> uh, Welcome so- to Real Nerds Bearcast. Yep. Simon Smith and his dancing bear. It's just amazing how grand people can be. I just wanted to throw that song out there. All right. I'm done quoting Randy Newman for the night. Anyway, uh, until next week when we review Rambo Last Blood. Probably. Not starring Richard Crenna, by the way, because he's dead. And the possibility of bears. <laughs> the possibility <laughs> of bears. <laughs> Rambo. Oh, what if Rambo killed someone with a bear? You know, if Rambo rode a bear in Last Blood, I'd probably be more excited for this movie. Rambo Seven, Bear Blood. <laughs> oh gosh, that's what that's what we need. Bear, you gotta go kill him. Bear, about, go. <laughs> what about remaking First Blood, but with a bear instead in a of, bandana instead of 
John Rambo. I would love to watch Richard. Call it Rambear. I would love to watch Richard Crenna oh yell God, at a bear. Be <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we're getting to a point now where we don't need to just add a bear. We just need to change the main character of any film in history to being a bear, and yeah. it would automatically become better. I- I'm literally just picturing Troutman going like, on your feet, soldier! <laughs> Brad, imagine Paddleton, but instead of Ray Romano, it's a bear. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't have fallen asleep to that. I would not have, no. Imagine raising Jonathan, but instead of Ben making the movie, there's just a bear operating a camera the entire time. Or, or a bear magician. Wait, wait, wait. Henry, does that bear smoke crack? <laughs> a bear well, magician that's done a lot of crack. They're doing the same things, but in bear form. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he smokes honey. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway. He has Tune extreme diabetes. <laughs> huh? Anyway. All right, so I'm going to take us out. Uh, this has been Real Nerds Podcast. Remember, bears are your friends. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.